Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a minute to talk to you about making authentic friendships. You might remember the founder, Juliana Featherman, from episode 34 of Adventures in Autism. She is an autism sibling who created this amazing interactive web app that enables children ages 13 and up and adults with special needs to make friends based on age, interest, diagnosis, and geographic location. Parents and caregivers can also sign up to connect with other parents and caregivers. For more info or to sign up, head to makingauthenticfriendships.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 100. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you have been listening, thank you so much for coming on back. If you've listened to all 100 episodes, you're the real MVP. (laughs) Um, I am so excited about this 100th episode. And in honor of this, I am going to be flying solo today. It's just me. And I wanted to share some of the lessons that I've learned in doing 100 episodes of this podcast and go over some listener questions, which I I often, I've done this a few times now where I've asked for questions um, on like social media, I have mentioned it last week, and I always get really awesome questions and it's always just really fun to, you know, kind of do a little Q&A. And this round, I swear, were like the most thoughtful questions. So a lot of what I wanted to talk about (laughs) in terms of, you know, just what I've learned kind of comes up in these questions. So kind of going back to the, the very beginning, when I think back to starting this podcast, I really started this for some selfish reasons, I should say. It was, it was definitely because I, I knew that I was looking for, that connection with other parents, you know, who were on a similar path to what I was and not just parents, but I really wanted to talk to anybody who had, you know, anything to say about autism or any experience with autism. I mean, obviously as a mom, I was eager to talk with other moms and dads and caregivers, but I also was really excited at the prospect of talking to therapists and experts in the field and, you know, siblings and people who are on the spectrum themselves. I really wanted this podcast to be like really just kind of a melting pot of, of all things autism and just like conversations flowing about autism and, you know, how it affects our lives. And I feel like that has really happened <laughs> over the last 100 episodes and I'm I'm so so proud of that. But more than anything, I feel like when I started this show, like I said I really I was looking for that connection and I knew that if I was looking for it, there had to be other people who were looking for it as well. And you know, I I've said this before, but it's like I had been reading autism blogs. I was on social media, you know, following autism accounts and all that is amazing. I love it. But as someone who enjoys podcasting, I just thought it would be really cool to have a podcast talking about autism and just having these conversations. And like I said, it was really out of kind of my own selfishness and desperation to, to have these conversations myself that I was like, I know there has got to be other people that, that want to hear these conversations. So really like that's, that's how, you know, this podcast was born. And, uh, it's really crazy to sit back and think, oh my gosh, it's been a hundred episodes now. Because honestly, when I started it, I really didn't know where it was going. I didn't know if anybody was going to listen to it. And I didn't know, I had no idea what I was doing. I I have mentioned this before, but I am like extremely untech savvy. I don't know like 
I mean, it's sad. It's, it's embarrassing (laughs) a little, I know about this stuff. Um, and I, that was really intimidating to me for a long time, just the logistics of starting a podcast. But I, it was really like a calling on my heart that I knew I had to pursue. So once I kind of figured that stuff out, I remember sitting down in my closet, not unlike today as I'm sitting in my closet once again to sit down and record that episode. And it was honestly kind of on a whim that I did that. I had been sitting on this idea for so long and I had given myself until I I basically made it my, my new year's resolution for 2018 that I was like, I'm going to start this podcast. And I decided to randomly one night, I don't even know, Manny was probably out playing softball because it was in September and he, he was not home. I'd put the kids to bed and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. And I, I sat down and just recorded the whole thing in, in one take. I did not take any breaks. I just went right through it. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, is anybody going to listen to this? Is anybody going to find this interesting? But just feeling like this is what I was supposed to be doing. And you know, I recorded a few more episodes before I kind of launched it out into the ether. And the response very quickly, even though it was, you know, a a small, a small group of listeners, especially in the beginning, was just overwhelmingly positive and really showed me like, this is what I, I needed to be doing. So, Truly, like, I, I'm so thankful that I, I took that leap of faith and decided to record the podcast. And I'm so, so thankful for everyone that has listened to the show, whether you've been listening from the very beginning or, you know, if you're a newer listener, I am so grateful for all of you because this this show really is like a labor of love and it's such a passion project for me. And I'm so happy to put it together and know that there are people who are listening and enjoying it and appreciating it and finding it helpful. It really does mean so, so much to me. Every message I get from, you know, a new listener or someone who's been listening. I mean, there are many listeners who I correspond with like weekly uh, that, you know, I, I, I know like everything that's going on in their lives. And these are people that I, I don't know, but you know, personally, but it's like, they listen to the show and they know what's going on with me and I know what's going on with them. And it's just like such an amazing community. And I'm just so, I'm so thankful and so proud of it. So when I think back in terms of like podcasting, one of the main things that I had to learn was like how to, like I said, just the logistics of starting a podcast, which I was just talking to somebody earlier today about starting a podcast and kind of some tips that I got from the beginning and just sort of getting things started. And like I said, I knew like who I wanted to talk to. I knew like what I wanted the show to be about, but I knew so little about podcasting or like hosting, I should say. So I've said this before, but when I think back on those early episodes, like I... I really do cringe and I, I honestly, I mean, I listened back to them like before I released them and I, you know, did some editing and, and whatnot, but I mean, I, I really would not want to go back and listen to those early episodes. I don't, I don't know why, maybe they're not as bad as I think they're, but in my head, like they're so cringy to think about just like the, I don't even know, like the, the way that I, like I said, had to learn to kind of like host a show. And I always say when I talk to my guests, like I don't want it to feel like an interview. I want it to feel like a conversation. But I think in the beginning, especially like I just didn't necessarily know what that meant. I didn't know. I knew that's what I wanted it to be like, but I wasn't sure exactly what that was. So I really had to like learn how to host a show and kind of like lead a conversation and and really just like find my voice like as a host. I'm someone who I talk a lot. That's not a problem for me, but learning to like rein myself in was definitely something I had to I had to figure out. I'm still learning, obviously. I ramble a lot. <laughs> but that was all really important just in like setting the overall tone for what I wanted this podcast to be. And I remember especially in the beginning, I was really really set on having the show be like just a super positive, hopeful place. And I had almost like a complex about talking about anything negative because I feel like 
especially early on in our journey with, with Logan, you know, before he was diagnosed, when he was newly diagnosed, I really didn't want to hear anything negative. I just wanted to like focus on the positive, focus on moving forward. And I felt like for my listeners that that was really important to, to give them that, that positivity. So people came away from the show and just felt really positive all over. And I, while I still think that's super important and that's definitely like my disposition is to be positive. I also think it is really okay to talk about the stuff that's hard and to, you know, make peace with that. And now I think of the podcast a little bit differently, whereas like I still want everything to be positive. I want like the overall focus to be positive, but I really just want it to be like kind of a soft place to land. And I mean that for for listeners and for guests of the show, I just want it to feel like a safe space more than anything, whether that is, you know, because you want to talk about something positive or listen to something positive or you know, listen to the hard things. Or like I said, when I have a guest and they want to talk about like a more difficult experience, like I really feel like those, those difficult experiences help us grow. I know I've talked about this a lot in these past few weeks, uh, the past few episodes has come up quite a bit. And I think that's so important to, you know, kind of dig into that harder stuff because that really is how we grow. And I think when we kind of toss that aside or push those feelings down, we're limiting ourselves and our potential. So that, those are some of the things about like podcasting that I feel like I I really learned in, in hosting this show. And then as a byproduct of this show, just from having so many incredible guests, I have learned so much. (laughs) Um, when I think back to like, just even like my mentality when, when I started the show, I mean, we were, I, I mean, I always say like, we're still early in this journey. Logan is seven. Like we have many, many years to go, but especially then, I mean, when I started the show, he was five. So it's like, we really, we've definitely, we've, we've come a long way. And I just think like mentally, I feel like a lot of the things that I wanted to embody when I started this show, I I wanted to feel a certain way, but I don't know if I necessarily was fully there. But then in doing this show, I have like kind of hit a new level of just understanding and acceptance and just like a a, a different outlook on, on my whole, the whole way I think about autism. I think when, when I first started this show, Again, I was, I definitely wanted to be positive. I had a positive mentality, but I know even like in terms of speech, like that was something, I mean, it's still something obviously we work on, but it was like for so long, it was just waiting for the words and, you know, hearing new words and being so excited for these new words and thinking like, oh my gosh, like we're getting closer to him talking. Whereas now, of course, like I would love if, you know, I could have a conversation with Logan, But now my goal really is like just communication with him, effective communication. And I, at the time when I started this show, I don't think I was ready to really, I just wasn't in that place yet. I was just really still waiting for those words and waiting for speech. But like I said, I I think just in in doing the show and, and having these conversations, it's just kind of brought me to like a new understanding. So... With that being said, I do want to get into some of these questions because, like I said, a lot of what I've learned kind of comes up <laughs> in these questions. So I, I want to start with uh, an amazing listener and friend we connected on social media. Her name is Tiffany. Her account is Nigh Functioning Autism. If you don't follow, you should be. She is on the spectrum herself, and she also has a couple kids on the spectrum. Um, you know, it, different varying support needed and she herself talks all about her journey and her kids journey. I have learned 
so much from her and she's just amazing. She's incredible. So I wanted to start with her because of course she asked like an awesome question and a lot of my answer is stuff that I've learned from her. Uh, so the question she asked me is what are the top three things you've learned from guests that you use in your life now as a mom of an autistic child? So some of these things are things that I've learned from guests, but some of them are like Tiffany. She's never been a guest in the show. I would love for her to be, she knows that. Um, but because we've connected on social media, like through, through like Instagram, I've connected with a lot of people. So these are not all, all necessarily things I've learned from, from guests, because like I said, a, a lot of what I have learned comes from Tiffany, who has never been on the show. Um, okay. But she said the top three things. So these aren't necessarily in order, but maybe they are. All right. So the number one thing I wrote is presume competence, which this was something that I'm not sure if I had heard this expression before I started the show. I don't think that I had, but I do feel like, you know, presume competence, meaning, especially I think for the nonverbal community, there's like this, this thought that, and I, th- I don't think, I, I don't think people necessarily feel this way, but there is this, this you know, kind of understanding that if you can't speak, then it's like you have nothing to say or that you you don't understand what other people are saying because you can't, you know, verbally respond. And I definitely, I always knew that, especially with Logan, there was so much more than he could express to us that he was understanding. But I'll be totally honest, like I didn't, I maybe maybe I just didn't think enough about it, but I was not really presuming competence with him. Like there was so many things that I was just doing for him or I was assuming he couldn't do and not even necessarily in terms of speech, but just in terms of like him little little things that it was like, well this is too hard for him. I'm just going to do it. And I've talked about this before, but like a major moment for me and this was like pretty soon after Logan started ABA was he had learned to take off his own shoes and put them away. And he was four years old when he learned this. And this is something that, you know, up until that point for the past four years, I had been taking off his shoes and putting them away. If I had asked him to do that, I don't know what he would have done. I, at the time I would have assumed he would, he wouldn't have done it at all. He would have, you know, started playing or doing something else. And I remember that was something that they started working on with him in ABA, just like simple kind of following direction sort of tasks. And I was just floored at the first time I said to him, like, okay, take off your shoes, put your shoes away. And he did it. Like he had no problem. I mean, he was, you know, maybe a little, a little challenge, take off the shoes and put them away. But that's the kind of stuff that for, for me, really just like astounds me. (laughs) And every time he learns a new skill, I'm still just like amazed by it. So I think that was something that I really did have to learn was, you know, presume competence because it's not, it's, it sounds like an easy thing to do, but I think especially as parents, we are so used to, oh, I'll just, it'll just be easier if I do it myself, be quicker if I do it for him. And I think so often, we just start, we just jump into that without thinking. But if you like take a second, you know, stand back, see what they're capable of, like nine times out of 10, I'm so amazed and surprised. So that, that's definitely, that's a huge thing that I've had to learn. And in just over the course of doing this podcast, like I've, I've really come to, to know that in my heart, like presume confidence always. Uh, so number two, and this is sort of along the same lines as that, and this is definitely something that Tiffany has taught me, and it's compliance and comprehension are two different things. And what I mean by that is kind of like how I said, you know, Logan learned to take off his shoes and put them away. There are times when I ask him to do something and he doesn't do it. And what what I've really learned is that just because he he doesn't comply with what I've asked him to do doesn't mean that he doesn't comprehend what I've asked him to do. <laughs> it just means that you know there there may be something going on that he's not he's not able to complete that task or when I say something to him if he's not able to like follow through on something it doesn't mean that he can't or that he doesn't comprehend it it just means that like in that moment it's not happening. 
And I feel like that was, again, some a really important lesson for me to learn because I think kind of going back to the presuming competence, there were so many times when I would say something to him and I used to use the expression a lot, like it doesn't seem like his, his lights are on or it doesn't seem like his wheels are turning. And there are, there are times when I still feel that way, but I think on a, on a deeper level, I realized that even when I don't look at him and see that his lights are on, they still are. And I, I really did have to learn that because I think it is so important for us to just give our kids that confidence that like we, we believe in them and that we believe that, you know, even, even if they can't do something in that moment, that they understand it and they eventually will be able to do that. Um, I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly, (laughs) but yeah, basically just like compliance and comprehension are two different things. So then the third thing, and again, this is definitely something that Tiffany has taught me is, and this is kind of generic, but never lose hope. And what I mean by that is don't lower the bar, continue to set the bar high. And once that expectation has been met, set it higher. And I think for a while, I, not even that I was like, you know, doing this in, in a totally like com. I I don't even think I realized I was doing this. I think I was doing this to like protect myself in a certain way, but I was kind of like lowering the bar and not even necessarily on like day-to-day things for Logan, but especially when it came to like thinking about his future, like there was a time when I really thought, you know, oh, Logan, I don't, I don't really think he'll graduate high school or I don't think he'll have a relationship. Or I don't think he'll, you know, play on a sports team or something. And honestly, like, I'm not, I'm not saying like these things are all definitively going to happen, but I feel like I was, I was telling myself these things and like kind of prepping myself to like protect my heart in a certain way. And I think what Tiffany really has showed me and just the autism community in general, especially like, you know, actually autistic people. Uh, hashtag Ashley Autistic. I think what I've learned is that those things still happen. They just maybe don't look the same way as, you know, we might think they will. And, you know, the quote, different, not less, that runs through my head a lot. And I think about that, not just in terms of autism, honestly, because I feel like so often just in life, we have these ideas for ourselves or our kids or whatever. And if something ends up looking different than we expected it to, in some way, it's like you automatically think it's not as good because like, well, I was picturing it to look like this, but it looks like something else. So, you know, this isn't living up to my expectations, but it's like really, especially, you know, with, with Logan and having autism, like so often my expectations are exceeded And I, you know, I thought I was going to feel one way and I end up feeling another way and I end up feeling like even better (laughs) about something. So I feel like that is, that's such an important, like I said, those words different, not less. They really, I feel like they're kind of cliche, but when I think about the actual meaning of them, they, they really do resonate very deeply with me. And I've said that a lot actually to my sister recently and my mom, as she's kind of, you know, navigating this new path after having brain surgery and kind of relearning a lot of things, like I feel like she had an idea of what her future was going to look like and the things that she was going to do for herself. And those things maybe look different now, but I, I have said that to her before too. I'm just like different, not less. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that these things are not going to be just as special and amazing and incredible. It just means that the picture that you had in your mind, it's maybe going to shift a little bit and it's going to look a little bit different. So that's kind of what I mean by, you know, never losing hope and not lowering the bar and just like keeping those expectations high and not even expectations. Like I, I don't, I don't ever want to like put, I guess expectations and limitations are different. Like I just, I, I want to, I want Logan to reach for the stars. I want all of our kids to reach for the stars. And it's like, that looks different for everybody but I just, I don't want to be the one to put the cap on it. I want him to be the one to, you know, just do, do whatever is, is in there for him. So 
yeah, so those are the top three things. And honestly, there's like a million more, but I really thought about it. And those are, those are the things I came away with. And I really just want to say thank you so much to Tiffany because she really has taught me so much and she is such, such a gift and I'm so thankful for her. So thank you, Tiffany. You're the best. Um, okay. So moving on the next question I got, and I've, I think talked about this before. It's definitely come up in other ways, but this is from my buddy, Fred Marvel, who stay tuned because he is going to be a guest in the future. He's an autism dad. And what he said is, have you had to deal with a family member or just people in general that don't get autism? Like people that say he'll grow out of it or there was no autism in my day, things like that. Uh, yes, definitely have dealt with things like that in the past. And I know, especially in the beginning when Logan was diagnosed and I, I think at this point people know I'm kind of like the crazy autism lady and <laughs> they don't necessarily say stuff like that to me anymore. People ask questions, which I'm, I'm thankful for, but I remember in the beginning, especially a lot of people saying the like, he'll grow out of it kind of thing. And honestly, I think even I was thinking that not that he'll grow out of autism, but I feel like there were so many things, especially then, cause he was so little that I was like, oh, well, you know, as he gets older, like he's going to mature and he's not going to be doing A, B, and C. And I think other people, when they said that kind of stuff, were well-meaning. You know, I think so often people really are well-meaning. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of times, too, people are saying those things to kind of make themselves feel better. Like I used to get a lot when people, people would say to me, if I said, oh, you know, my son has autism, they'd be like, oh, well he's high functioning. Right. And it was like, they, it, they really wanted me to say, oh yeah, he's, he's super high functioning. Cause I feel like that is like giving them a little bit of a break. <laughs> Cause if I say to them, well, no, he's, he's a little more severe and he's nonverbal, which I wouldn't even use those words, but I'm just saying like, this is our, the situation is, is not maybe what, what they were hoping I would say it was. Um, whereas now I, I mean, I still, I still hear, I still hear stuff like that, but I really just look at those opportunities to be like a growing experience and an educational experience for that person, especially if somebody said something like there was no autism in my day. I mean, if, if you're not like in a, the right headspace to like have those conversations. I totally get it. I think in that case, it's fine to like blow someone off. <laughs> but if you're, if you're feeling up for it, I really do think those, those situations when you can like educate and advocate, I think are, are so special. Like I remember one time I was in line at the deli at the grocery store and Logan was sitting in the cart and he had his chewy and he was like chewing away on it. And this woman just like, it not in, in a rude way at all. She was like, what is that that he's chewing on? And I was like, oh, that's his chewy. I'm like, he has autism and he has a lot of like sensory needs and he really likes oral input. I'm like, he likes input in general, but you know, just kind of gives him something to focus on so that he's not feeling anxious or, you know, just, just kind of helping him sort of cope. And it ended up being like a really nice conversation with this woman where she talked about, you know, kind of other people that she knew maybe were on the spectrum. This is a while ago, so I can't remember exactly, but it was just like a, a really, it ended up being a nice conversation. And I, I came away with, from that thinking, I think I, you know, opened her eyes a little bit to autism and just kind of opened that door. And I was really happy to do that. So I think sometimes the, the things that people say, we might roll our eyes at it or get annoyed about it. And I think that's totally fine. But if you can find it to just sort of have that conversation and use that as like a, a educational moment or just a moment to advocate for autism, I think that that is great. <laughs> and you should definitely do that. Um, okay. I have many more questions here. Let's do one more and then I'll take a quick break. Um, okay. So this, came up in a couple different ways. This is from, I don't want to say this wrong. These are Instagram names, so I might say them wrong, but this is from, uh, Jackie Lynn Reslin or Resline. And she said, how much of a strain did autism put on your relationship? And then also I'm going to kind of combine these. Mrs. Madison Keene said tips for nurturing your marriage in early days after an autism diagnosis. So 
I will say, and Manny's been on the podcast a couple times, um, maybe more in the future. I feel like in many ways we got off pretty lucky because I don't think that autism put a strain on our relationship. I will say that like our relationship is far from perfect. So (laughs) there may be like strains from other things, but I don't necessarily think that we struggled with the autism diagnosis. I talk to people a lot where it's like one person in the relationship, whether it be mom or dad feels more strongly about pursuing a diagnosis or maybe one, one parent is like more in denial. And I think that's probably like really hard. And my heart goes out to you if you're in that situation, but I would just say, if you can, like always just try to be kind to the other parent and remember that, you know, we're all on a different path. And I've said this before, but it's like, I think Manny and I take different paths to get somewhere but we end up in the same place. But it's like the way we get there is totally different. And it's still like that. Like just today we were, we were talking about him medication and it's like, we're, we're on board with the medication, but it's like, we still, we both like think about things in a different way. And I think it's definitely something where you have to just communicate as openly as you can. I know that's hard. That's definitely something that him and I struggle with in general, just, you know, communicating effectively for sure. I feel like every marriage does, but I think as far as like nurturing your marriage, you know, having that alone time going on date nights or just like having, having that alone time, like quality time in general, like Manny and I really every night after the kids go to bed, we, we sit on the couch together We don't always agree on TV shows, so it's always great when we have a show we're watching together because it's, like, kind of our quality time. But honestly, maybe for some people that doesn't sound like quality time. But just, like, sitting on the couch together. And sometimes we do talk. Sometimes we do just watch our show. But, I mean, just sort of, like, carving out that little bit of time together, that's that's really important for him, for sure. Um, I mean, it's important to me, too. But he definitely, he, he, that, that means a lot to him. And we have that just alone time together. Um, and like I said, yeah, if you can like carve out those date nights and and make it a regular thing, we have tried and I think we've done better this past year, obviously COVID really sort of put a wrench in things, but we have, I think spent more quality time together like this past year or so than we have in a long time. I mean, we have little kids. I mean, it's not just autism that is a strain, (laughs) but you know, having, having little kids in general, I do feel like it is kind of a season quote unquote. And it's like, things are, are going to look different during this season than they will later in life. And just recently we were, we were downtown, like in Chicago with, with the kids as a family kind of as things started to open up. And I said to Manny, I'm like, I feel like we're getting to the point where, you know, our Layla, our youngest is two now. And I'm like, I feel like we're getting to the point where it's like, our kids are we can really be kind of more on the go and we're, we're an on the go kind of family. We like to do stuff together a lot and kind of go on adventures and whatnot. But I feel like as the kids are getting older and Layla's getting a little bit older, not having like a baby with us has really kind of opened some doors. But even that too, like not just thinking about your marriage, just the two of you, but just like strengthening your family unit. I think having, having those adventures and it's like, we never know how it's going to turn out. We prepare the best that we can, but we, we just sort of like take, take the risk and I'm like, all right, we're going to try to go here. We're going to try to go there. And it makes Manny and I kind of work together more because we, we have to like really be a team to take care of these kids. Um, but it also, it's just like, that's for both of us. That's like such a, it's definitely our happy place is when we're like all together. We're super excited because in a couple weeks we're going on a little like beach vacation and we can't wait just for like some quality family time, especially with everything that's been going on lately. So we need it. Um, all right, I'm going to take a quick break and then I'll come back and do some more questions. 
For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. <laughs> I love anything by Emily Giffen, like Something Borrowed or Something Blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, hopping back into these questions. This one is from Dax and Jet's mommy. And it says, Are you still planning on doing an in-person event? once the world goes back to normal, that is. And the answer to that question is yes. I have mentioned this, I think, the last couple weeks, but my initial plan for this 100th episode was to do some kind of live event, like kind of correlating with it, or at least like around this time. And, you know, unfortunately with COVID, that is just not a possibility right now. But I, yeah, I I really, really, really want to do something in person and I honestly can't wait for it. So, I mean, hopefully, like, in the next year. (laughs) I don't know. I really don't know when that's going to happen again. But I I mean, I've had people even from other states reach out and say that they would want to come. So I definitely want to wait until, you know, like, travel restrictions are... I shouldn't even say restrictions. I think traveling is still, like, allowed. But just so that, you know, it's safer to travel. I really... I don't want to, you know, plan anything right now while things are still still really crazy. I've, I've said this before, but, you know, here... Where we live in Illinois, restrictions are starting to lift, um, but at the same time, we're still being, we're being cautious. So, and we are being cautious. We are, we had a friend visiting this past weekend from Missouri, and she was saying that masks are not mandated there, so she coming here was the first time she's really had, like, had to wear a mask this whole time, and masks have been mandated here like to go into like a you know any kind of business establishment you've had to wear a mask really since the beginning like it's been a requirement so that was really surprising to me um and, it, and they still are masks are still a requirement to go really anywhere um so it's, it really is so interesting how like state to state things are so different but yes some kind of event is definitely on the horizon so stay tuned for that and thank you for asking and thank you to everyone who's just shown interest in that because I can't wait. So someday it'll happen. Okay. And then this one is from, uh, I don't want to say this wrong, but Raman 12 car, car. I'm not really sure to say that. Um, do you believe in biomedicine for autism or do you know anybody who has, this is like kind of a tough one for me. And yes, I definitely know many people who have, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, not super in depth, but I have definitely talked to people about it. And I've, you know, come across many people like over social media who really believe, you know, fully in, in like biomedical stuff. And I will say personally, it is not a route that I have delved into deeply. We have definitely done like some supplements for Logan and, I have looked into other things like the Nemechek protocol. Um, obviously, there's a lot. There's a lot out there. <laughs> it's and and you can kind of get lost in all that. I I'm hearing more and more about like the the fecal transplants and seeing that people are kind of starting to do that. Um, my thoughts on like the biomedical stuff are if if that's a road that you want to pursue, I would say go for it, but that is a really personal thing. And honestly, for, for me on, on our journey with Logan, I, I am not someone who is necessarily looking to 
I'm definitely not looking to cure autism. I mean, autism is not a disease, it's a disorder. So I think sometimes the, the, the biomedical stuff gets a little bit kind of scary to me. Like the, the treatments can seem a little crazy. <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone because if this is what you're doing, I, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But like I said, I do think it's just like a personal thing. And honestly, one of the main reasons why I, I don't pursue it more is because I know people who have tried like all these different things and put themselves and their kids through a lot with like little to no difference or results really. Um, so again, it's to each their own. If it's something that you feel strongly about and you want to try it, I, I don't think, I mean, I think maybe some of it can, can be a little intense or I don't want to say harmful, but you know, it definitely can, can go in a different direction. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like it's, it's really, it is really personal and that's just where I'm coming from with it. But if, if you have experience with the biomedical stuff and really like seeing a difference in your child, or thought something was really helpful, I would love to hear if you want to come on the show and be a guest. I mean, I've talked to people about diets and a lot of people, a lot of people have seen a huge improvements from diets and that's awesome. But then I talked to a lot of other people who, you know, they really went gung-ho on the diet and, and saw no improvement. So I think so much of it is really just individual and, you know, what works for one person may not work for another. And like I said, a lot of it too, is just kind of comes down to like your beliefs and, you know, your, your preference on things. And I definitely believe in therapy and just kind of, you know, helping our kids in, in any way that we can. But the biomedical stuff, who knows? Maybe down the road we'll be doing we'll be doing all that stuff. But at this point in time, I would say that isn't necessarily for us. But like I said, I'm totally more than open to hearing other people's experience about it. So let me know because I do think it's something that people are interested in. Um, okay, so next question. This is from Jen and Jules. Did you know anything about autism before Logan was diagnosed? The answer to that question would be no, a big fat no. I really knew nothing about autism. Um, I had seen the movie Rain Man. I've talked to this before. I also had seen, and this was a movie that like is was deep in like the recesses of my brain. I didn't even think about it until recently. But there was a movie that I used to love when I was little called House of Cards. If anybody else has watched it, let me know. Um, and it was gosh, I can't even think of who was in it now. It was Kathleen Turner was the mom. And I want to say it was like Tommy Lee Jones played this like either therapist or like lawyer or something. And there, there was a little girl in the movie who had autism. And it's really weird because I was obsessed with this movie. I used to want, I used to rent it from the movie theater. We had a movie theater like down the street from us that we could walk to. It was like a couple blocks away. Not the movie theater, movie store. Um, like where you would rent like VHS tapes and it was not a blockbuster. It was like a little family owned video store and we would go, I mean, we would go there all the time, but I would want to rent this movie like over and over again. And I was obsessed with it. And I, and this was not like a, a kid's movie. This was like a very adult themed movie. And I just, I loved this movie though. And it was like so beautiful and touching to me, even, even as a child, I haven't watched it in years. I was recently looking for it and I couldn't find it on like any platform, but I, I need to just like buy it or something. Cause I, I would love to watch it now as an adult. Um, sorry, that was a real tangent, but yeah. So I knew, I knew very, very little about autism before Logan was diagnosed. And I even remember like, I don't remember specifically the first time it sort of popped into my head that Logan could be on the spectrum. But I remember thinking like, well, no, like this can't be autism because Logan is too like engaged and he's, he's so happy and smiley. And I was just saying to my sister the other day, like I had this image of autism in my head that it was, you know, like this kid in the corner, like rocking back and forth or like in their own world. I'm using air quotes. Um, just like these very stereotypical views of what autism was. And then I remember as Logan got a little bit older and he still wasn't talking. And like I said, I was sort of thinking more and more that this could be autism. I remember reading a statistic that scared the crap out of me that said something like, I, I want to say it was like a third of people on the spectrum are nonverbal 
And if they're not talking by the time they're five, that they probably will remain nonverbal. And I don't even know if that's true. I don't even know where I read it. But I remember like just reading that and that really stuck with me. And it scared me so bad because at that point I was totally not ready to admit that like I would maybe have a child who would never speak. That was just like unfathomable to me. I didn't even know that that was a possibility. I didn't even know the term nonverbal existed. This is when Logan was maybe like two. Um, I think, yeah, even before he'd been like, you know, evaluated by like early intervention, which he was evaluated at 20 months. So honestly, he was probably like 18 months at this point. And I just remember being like so scared and talking to my mom about it because my, my brother, I've mentioned this before, but he, um, was diagnosed with ADD and he had a speech delay when he was little. And my mom used to tell me a lot like, Oh, Logan is probably just like Matt. Like he has a delay, but he's going to catch up. And I remember there was one time where I was crying to her and I was, you know, concerned. I think it was after we had done like a, a speech session that maybe didn't go so well. Like once he was in early intervention and her telling me like, Oh my gosh, Meg, like, don't worry. He's going to talk. It's going to be okay. And I remember like saying to her, and this was the first time I ever admitted out loud. I was like, mom, what if he never talks? And that was me like really kind of coming to terms with my fear that that was a possibility for Logan. And it was really scary. And of course she, I think it, she was like, Oh no, don't be silly. He's going to talk. Um, and like I said, even when I started this podcast, I, I definitely would have classified Logan as nonverbal at that time. I don't know when I started referring to him as nonverbal, um, probably around three or four. And there's, there's moms I talk to a lot who they're like, Oh, my two-year-old is nonverbal. And I don't, I don't even know if I would consider a two-year-old to be nonverbal at that point, or if you would just say like speech delayed. I honestly, I don't know. I'm not an SLP. I don't know where, where you draw the line, but I do. I remember feeling like, okay, we kind of cross into this threshold of like nonverbal. And another thing that kind of pops into my head is I remember this was Halloween was kind of gearing up and I remember seeing these, these like specialized treat bags that said like, my name is, and you would write their name in and something like, I can't say trick or treat, but I'm trying. And I don't even know where I came across this, but maybe like on Facebook, it was like an ad or something. And I just like burst into tears because I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like, is Logan ever going to be able to say trick or treat? And I mean, these are things that like now I are just, you know, a part of our life and they don't, they don't feel like a, a really a big deal to be honest, especially now it's like he has his, his device so he can say trick or treat on his device. I remember before he had that, his, his BCBA had made like a little packs for him that said trick or treat. And he would like bring that to the door and get his candy. But again, at the time, like this was maybe before he was diagnosed when he was newly diagnosed thinking like how heartbroken I was that, you know, he couldn't say trick or treat and gosh, I'm going off a lot of tangents here. <laughs> um, but this is all kind of related back to like the, did I know anything about autism? No, I knew nothing about autism. I knew nothing about this, this world. I knew nothing about people being nonverbal or not speaking. And it was all very surprising and like jarring to me. But the other thing that I didn't know was that, you know, Logan was not going to be changing from that autism diagnosis. Like this little boy that I fell in love with was still my little boy. And I, I say that a lot to parents cause that was like a huge realization for me that like nothing actually really changed. And this will come up in another question later, but I feel like I used to be really scared for the future because I felt like Again, I felt like things were going to like change somehow or that like Logan, as he became an adult, was not going to be like the same Logan that I fell in love with. And I think more and more, especially because of the podcast, I've learned that that's not true. And, you know, he's going to grow and I'm going to grow with him and we're going to figure this out. Um so on that note, I'll get into this question. And this is from Pumas, which is Rebecca, who was a past guest on the show, but her, her Instagram name is Pumas. Um, and it says, what have you learned from, this kind of got cut off, from autistic 
teens and adults about supporting Logan. And I, I don't know if she necessarily just means teens and adults, but also like parents of teens and adults. Um, and kind of going back to that, like I, I've, I've learned so, so much. And that was one of the things when I started the show that I was really looking forward to was to talk to people who had older kids on the spectrum because, I mean, I was so new at this and the idea of talking to people who had like teenagers or adults was really appealing to me because especially then that just scared me. The idea of Logan not being, you know, this little boy that I could like protect and, you know, really kind of like steer the way it just scared me. And honestly, like the older he gets, I was just saying that somebody else, like I used to be so fearful of his future. And like the more time goes on, the more like excited I am about it because every, I mean, all the time I just see him growing and becoming like, I mean, I've always thought he was incredible, but it's like he, in so many ways, he just keeps becoming like more and more amazing. And I just like, can't wait to see where he goes with all that. So a couple things that I've learned from like I said, parents and just from other like individuals in the spectrum, the number one thing I would say is that progress never ends. And I think kind of going back to what I said about that statistic that was like, if a, if a child isn't talking by age five, they probably never will talk. I think that that is crap. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is like the statistic. Um, but I've talked to so many people who, um, the first person that comes to mind is Lisa, uh, from Cody speaks. Cody was nine before he was verbal, before he was able to speak. And again, speaking is not everything, but it's, it just goes to show that it's like that in the past, it's like maybe would have been written off like, Oh, if they're not doing this by this age, they're never going to do it. And I just think that's not true. I just, there, there's so many things that, you know, just because they happen later, doesn't mean they're not going to happen. And I mean, like Logan now, you know, he's, he's seven and he's potty trained and he's working on independence and he's doing things that for, you know, for a typical seven-year-old, like wouldn't necessarily be a struggle or a challenge. And yes, they are challenging for him, but he's doing them. And these are things that I wasn't sure if he was ever going to do. Like right now we're working on showering independently and he's he's just doing so well and it's like these are things that there was a time when I thought like am I gonna have to shower him all the time am I gonna have to bathe him and now I mean I I don't know how long it'll take us to get there but it's like I know that he's gonna get there that I'm gonna be able to get to the point where I'm gonna say like okay go take a shower and you know maybe kind of help set up things for him a little bit but it's like he's gonna be able to do that another thing we've talked about a lot is I am he can get dressed himself, but it's like, I kind of have to like facilitate it. Um, but I'm, I know that we're going to get to the point where it's like, he's, I'm going to be able to tell him like, okay, go ahead and get dressed. He's so cute lately. (laughs) That's what we've been working on. I'm just telling this little story. Um, we've been working on with him, like in, in therapy, getting himself dressed and like picking out his clothes. And for some reason he always picks out pajamas. (laughs) Whatever I tell him, like, okay, time to get dressed. And this is what he'll be like wearing his pajamas and I'll send him up to his room to get dressed and he'll come back down in just new pajamas. (laughs) And it's very cute though, because like he will change his shirt. He will change his pants. Um, But, but it's like, he, he does not, but he changes them into pajama pants. So every time he does it, I just think it is like, so it's so cute and funny. There's, there's so many things that he does that are like these little quirky things that I are just so endearing and sweet to me. And I, I love it so, so much. Um, okay. I think I just have a couple questions left. Uh, this is from Michelle Ann and it says no questions, but congrats. Such an awesome accomplishment. And thank you so much. You are so sweet. Um, I appreciate that. I do feel like a hundred episodes feels like an accomplishment. I will say that. Um, okay. This might be the last one and this kind of ties into one that I answered earlier, but it was, how do you handle when people make ignorant comments, uh, you know, about autism or about your child? And that was from Lauren.wc. Um, that's a really good question. And like I said, I really try to take those, those moments, especially if it's something ignorant, 
That's tough. And honestly, like I'm not someone who is looking for a fight. I'm definitely a lover, not a fighter. But at the same time, I have no problem fighting <laughs> if I need to. Um, and there has been, there has been times when, when that has come up, I will say I personally, in, in those moments, like if somebody says something ignorant about Logan, especially in terms of like, Oh, like, why is he doing that? Or whatnot? I mean, Logan, honestly, we're, we're so lucky. He's, he's a really good boy. He's extremely well-behaved. Um, but like with his like screaming, like he screams a lot and it's, it's a happy scream, but it is extremely loud and it's definitely distracting and annoying or upsetting, like many words <laughs> to describe it frustrating. Um, and there are times when, when, you know, people will hear that and say something. And to me, it's, it's always, like I said, I take that time to try to like educate somebody, but I also don't mind saying to them like, yeah, my kid has autism. Like this is not a parenting issue. This is not like a behavior issue. Like this is, this is what it is. <laughs> this is what we do, what, what we deal with on like a daily basis. And it's like, if this is a problem for you, I'm sorry, but like, I'm not sorry. <laughs> That's basically where I'm kind of coming from on that. But I, I do, I do think that if you can kind of turn around on them and make them understand sort of where you're coming from. And honestly, you probably won't in the moment, but maybe you'll plant that seed and later they'll, they'll think back and be like, Hmm, that person taught me something and maybe they won't, but at least you'll know that, that you tried. And I think that's important. Um, okay. I feel like I'm rambling a lot here and I, I think I got to, to all these questions. Um, but I just want to say again, thank you so much to everybody who has listened to the show and supported the show. Truly. I, I'm still kind of stunned that it's been a hundred episodes. I kind of can't believe it. And I'm, I'm so proud of this little podcast and just this community of incredible people I mean, like I said, when I started this show, it was really for like selfish reasons. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm so proud of what it's grown into. And I honestly can't imagine where, where I would be at in this journey if it weren't for this podcast. I really, I really don't know. <laughs> um, all I know is that I'm very thankful and I'm so thankful for every guest who has taken the time to talk to me and share their wisdom with me or share their story with me. I've said it before, but I, I feel like in every episode, whether you connect with the guest or relate to their story or not, I feel like there's something to be learned from every episode. And I mean, there are times when, you know, I don't necessarily agree with everything a guest is saying, but it's like, I still learn from them. And I just, I just enjoy the conversation so much. They really are like, life-giving to me and just like therapy. I hear that a lot from people that listen. They're like, oh, the show is like my therapy. And I'm like, it's mine too. It really, it really is. It's so incredible. So thank you so much for being on this journey and this ride of a hundred episodes. And I mean, here's to a hundred more. We're just going to keep on keeping on. I have gotten back into recording now that Logan is kind of back into a schedule. I am very happy to be back on track and I've had some really awesome conversations. I'm super excited for you guys to hear these episodes. If you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, which I, I do want to shout out a longtime listener. Her name is Jen Coop. Her question to me was serious question. Can I be on your podcast? I'd love to add my voice into the mix someday. And I already responded to her and said, yes, girl, you can. Can't wait to have you on. Um, but if you would be interested in being a guest on the show, if you you know enjoy listening and you want to share your story, please reach out to me. The best way to do that is going to be probably over email, uh, which is adventures in autism, 2018 at yahoo.com. If you would just send me like a little backstory, what you want to talk about, if you were a guest in the show, that would be super helpful. If you want to connect with me on social media, you can find me at, on Facebook at adventures in autism podcast, or you can message me or find me on Instagram. You can message me there too. Um, at adventures in autism pod, I think that's all the places that you can find me and that's it. So again, I love hearing from you guys. I love connecting with you guys. This community means everything to me. 
you've really been helpful, especially just with everything that we've been dealing with as a family these last couple months. So much going on and the support has meant so, so much to me. If you all would do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review or just a rating, uh, that's fine too. I'd hit that five star. Those ratings and reviews truly mean so much to me. And oftentimes people say like, oh, I just, I'm, I love the podcast. Like, I just want to support you. And that is like the, honestly, the best way that you can do that because that really helps other people to find the show. Uh, and it just really helps to, you know, continue to kind of grow this community. So that would be a great 100 episode gift to me. <laughs> it's just like tap that five star. Or if you would take a moment to, to, you know, leave a review, I would appreciate that so much. Um, but that is all for today. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here and enjoying these hundred episodes. If you've listened to all of them, if you, if you haven't, and you want to go back and listen to those early episodes, go ahead and do so. But like I said, (laughs) when I think back on those now, I do cringe a little bit. Um, but that's in the past and we're moving forward. So looking forward to all the awesome episodes that are going to be, coming up. I can't wait. So that is all for now. And until next time, take care.